Just say, I think that that's the one. That's, oh, really? That's, that's yeah, we one. can ride on this one for a while. That's, yeah, that's a good one. That is groovy right there. I was, I was bobbing and weaving over here. Welcome to the show, boys. We bought a mic, a pop culture podcast. Chilling, chilling on a catch up episode. Um, we need more laid back pods. It's brought to you by Peroni. Peroni. The Italian for beer. <laughs> That's good. That's a good slogan. Somebody should use that. Mm-hmm. Foster's is Italian for beer already. That's I hate the problem. <laughs> I'm Ernest. I am a laid back, easygoing hunter. And I'm uh, Skimble Way the Shanks Rail uh, Cat. We've moved on. We're talking about Sonic now. And I'm James Marsden. Okay, good. Better. Is uh, Shadow in that movie? Shadow, Knuckles, Tails? I don't know. It seems like nobody... I mean, it's being a box office success. I know uh, Girlfriends of the Pod were going to go see that movie together tonight. Why that one? Um, Well, because they just wanted to eat some wings and go see a bad movie, as we all do sometimes. I I told Um, them that James Marsden was going to be playing with his hog in it, (laughs) and they got really excited. I don't know why. They're like, well, he's like five foot four, so how big is that hog going? Yeah. Um, they could go see Birds of Prey. They could go see... Well, I will me. say, so uh, Sonic is a big hit, but uh, <laughs> I don't know how the residual week-to-week is doing, because a Wednesday night 745 showing, they were the only two people with tickets in the theater. So. Let's fucking go, dude. Well, the people seeing it like don't know that you can even get tickets online. Right. <laughs> like They're not familiar with this technology. It's, I mean... For all, for most accounts, it's like a fine kids movie, which is what we should expect from movies like that. But for some reason, we always expect more. Well, uh, looking at you, Pokemon. I was hoping for it to be more of a nightmare, like how the first trailer was—a uh, waking nightmare. It was the. Th- it was my sleep paralysis demon was Sonic, and yeah. I wanted more of that vibe. I do hate that. I still, like, am not okay with that it's not in, like, Sonic World, you know? Whatever the fuck it's called. I don't know, I don't know where. The Green what? Hill are Zone. Alderaan? Are you saying that you're not, you're not big into the, the lore of the Sonic There, universe? like, almost is none. Like, there's hardly any lore. Well, here's the thing. So, he is a hedgehog. He's blue. Um, he has to get these golden rings. Yeah. Um, they create a life force in the universe. Triforce? Um, there's Eggman. Uh, he's shaped like a ring of sorts, an onion ring, if you will. An onion ring, um, yeah. Didn't Colin, friend of the pod, see this movie? Yeah, he said it was like a fine kids movie. That, that's just what it is. He gave it a very modest three stars. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Solid. Yeah, like, it's a fucking kids movie. We, we should all just stop watching kids movies. I'm just excited. Hey, we're going to get probably the first uh, really good movie that's actually being released 
this year, uh, next week with Invisible Man that I am very excited for. And I'm, I'm been, not. I'm not sold. I've been championing, championing. I've been on the Invisible Man hype bandwagon. I I've I will inevitably one single time, Hunter. I brought it up in our most anticipated movies of the year. Okay, I'm fine. very excited for it. Um, I love Elizabeth Moss. I think that she is incredible. I think Invisible Man is a really cool idea. Um, I will inevitably be disappointed by this, but here we go. I've I've heard mixed things at best. It is directed by Lee Whannell. Hey. Um, actor in Saw. Yeah. Oh, Lee Whannell did Upgrade. I heard great things about Upgrade. Still haven't mm. seen it. Wrote that. He was in Insidious. Yeah. Oh, did you guys hear that, Kitty? Yeah, uh, Mike probably doesn't pick that an up. Outdoor Kitty. You yeah, remember kid. when, like, Insidious, like, ev- that was, like, the coolest movie to go see? Like, everyone was like, dude, it's literally fucking scarier than The Ring, bro. You you gotta yeah. see it. I, 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 I saw that in theaters. I miss that whole wave of, like, Insidious, Conjuring. Well, you like, don't, you, uh, uh, you hate Patrick Wilson, then. Well. Is what you're saying. Uh, let me think, let me think. I like Aqu- Patrick Wilson. Aquaman, he was okay in... Watchmen, he was okay. Wait, are you saying you're not a big fan of the movie Midway that came out last year? Yeah, no. Oh, no way. See, not Patrick Willis, man. But I think I think we're 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 cir- circling around a bigger point here that like we're in a dead zone right now of movies, mm-hmm. and it's a good time to chill. Yeah, and it's a good time to kind of look ahead at, at what's coming and, and sort of like Nathan Fielder is writing a script <laughs> with Josh Safdie of the Safdie Brothers. Jesus Christ. The script is starring Nathan Fielder. <laughs> My ears are blown out. <laughs> I'm very sorry to the listeners. It's based on the premise that Nathan and his wife have a uh, uh, fixer-upper house show on HGTV, and then they become cursed, and it is a dark comedy. And what are we thinking about this? I'm not, I'm not excited at all. Um, <laughs> so this is, I think for... Uh, we bought a mic. Uh, Safety Brothers are like are the, the director's of the podcast and Nathan Fielder is the writer slash actor of the podcast. Mm-hmm. So this is a, it's a big deal. Um, I've been trying to much like the uh, leaked Batman photos, but this is much more exciting at another level, uh, trying to hold my hype back because I know that we still have like a year, year and a half to wait and my body can't take I can. I've been. I've been eating a lot of iron so that like my blood supply is strong. So when the boner just is gonna when, stay there. When this piece of news dropped, I immediately thought of you, Drew. Because yeah. this is the perfect nexus. It's a perfect nexus for this whole podcast. But you in particular, I was like, is he gonna be okay? I wasn't. This? Let me tell you is something he funny. Live through this moment. Here's what happened when I saw this news. So I, I saw it on on uh, Twitter. Obviously, like immediately, like rush of blood to the to the tip. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I had this thought, this really stupid thought. I was like, wait, this has got to be fake. And then, uh, like, I like kept scrolling to see if there was other news, and there was. But then I was like, who would even who would fake that? <laughs> the most random thing. Like someone just fucking with me. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like are my friends fucking with me on Twitter? Um, it couldn't couldn't be more stoked. I was talking with Colin, friend of the pod, about this last night because there is an interesting like the the gel is going to be weird to see because the the styles of the Safties and Nathan are wildly different. Like they they have similar feelings generated, but particularly pacing 
could not be more different with what Nathan does and with what the Safties do. Well, the pacing is different and the tone of them is drastically different, but both Nathan For You and the Safty Brothers films, particularly Good Time and Uncut Gems, have a constant tension to them. Yeah, discomfort. They're that's very into why, it. That's why I think that this it is such perfect. a perfect match, yeah. is that despite the fact that it is kind of a clashing of these tones, both of them... They, grant the tension that they create is vastly different from each other, but there is this constant like clenching of your fists whenever you're watching either. So, granted, this is a Showtime <coughs> property, so this is not the Netflix algorithm tapping into our subconscious. This is actually like a serendipitous moment of collaboration. Well, wouldn't you bet that the Safties are the ones that contacted Nate? They, the Safdies seem to contact every uh, Jewish person yeah. in Hollywood. Well, they, well, cold, they cold call like yeah. everybody. They're just like, hey, let's link up. And yeah. then like a day later, they have the best script in the world. I just, I just picture these three guys in a room together hashing out this screenplay. And they like, can I, can I just get a movie about that? Yeah. I, I just want that on the screen. I'm not so sure that they that Nathan... Maybe he did actually go to them because, I mean, Adam Sandler ended up coming back to the Safties after seeing Good Time. He was a big fan. And Robert Pattinson went to the Safties to make Good Time because he was a fan of yeah. uh, the first couple films that they made, the first smaller films. So I'm not sure how this happened. I am curious about what this means for Nathan's HBO shows that he had. In Still the moving forward as far okay. as I know. Because it wasn't clear from the reporting if... Because Showtime, of course, bought it. But I didn't know if they made a pilot and then Showtime outbid HBO. <clears throat> or maybe they offered more creative freedom, like how they did with David Lynch for Twin Peaks The Return. It's got to be something with that, I'm because sure. Because Showtime will just write people a check and yeah. just say, here, make your however many episodes you yeah. want to make. Also, we should say Benny is in the show. He's playing the, uh, the producer of the HGTV show. Assumingly, it's going to be that, you know, that type of role where he's, like, secretly, like, you know, he's, like, pushing, almost playing the Nathan Fielder role. <laughs> yeah. Where he's, like, he's filming for the wrong reason. He's filming because, like, his couple is cursed. Um, couldn't couldn't be more specific. Yeah, I can't, I can't quite picture what the show is going to look like. You know, is it going to be something very mockumentary-esque? Is it going to be more, uh, quote-unquote, polished? Like a lot of Nathan for You is, you know, Nathan for You he tries to make that seem like a legitimate reality TV show. Well, yeah, that's that's the big question: is are they will they break from the show? Because well, they have to. If Benny is going to play a producer. Yeah, you're on right. The show. He is the producer. Um, I am wondering if this is going to have because I do think it will have more of a mockumentary feel than classic Nathan for You, like. Thinking specifically of uh, what we do in the shadows, the TV show, how that's made. But there will be... I'm curious to see where the line is going to fall in the tension versus the humor and like how dark the show will get. I mean, we really won't have any idea until the show's made. There's no estimate on when it will be made, right? I'm assuming not until 2020. I will be lucky to see it this year. You're oh, late this year. Sure. You're right that it'll probably go mockumentary, though. The the parallel I was thinking of is it's going to be uh, the producer like dynamic thing will be like review, where you know, James Urbaniak is playing this producer who's like you know low key just yeah. taking advantage of the situation. Yeah, uh, it'll it's going to be a good show. It is interesting the Showtime piece because we don't really talk about any Showtime stuff on this pod. 
Uh, Showtime stuff doesn't ever really reach the height of the public conversation, aside from your your stray Twin Peaks The Return or your occasional escape from Dan, Dan Mora. We could get really into Ray Donovan or Homeland. Homeland used to be big. I think that may be like one of the biggest Billions? shows we ever had. I, yeah, Billions has its Billions fans. Billions is still... Yeah. Like, the Ringer mainly is. Yeah. That's almost Bill the Simmons. only the only fans of Billions. That's it. Hey, yeah, Bill- we, we love Brian Compliment on this podcast, okay? <laughs> Billion Simmons. Mm-hmm. Alright, well that's the news for this week. We also had our first look at the bat suit, the bat patty, bat daddy. Um, looks great. Pointy ears, uh, pointy bat cycle. Guys guys hot. It looks yeah, looks guys, great. The score so far from what we've heard the is, camera test is great. You guys got a big stinking yeah. jaw. That's another one that is far off still, so got a temper. Oh, speaking of bat, uh, we should uh, issue a formal apology on behalf of everyone but us for being mean to Ben Affleck. Hey, we were defenders of Ben Yeah, Affleck. exactly. Turns out Wait, the man you... was drinking himself to death yeah, that You're whole talking time. about the, the New York Times piece? Yeah, that all those... <laughs> whenever you took your little... You know, you took your clips of the junkets and you put the curb theme over them. Guess what? He was drunk as shit. He doesn't even remember that, probably. Hey, we... How do you feel now? Okay, we bought a mic. Uh, we have been Ben Affleck defenders for a very long time. We're allies. I, we all agree here and not just me that the town is a better movie than the departed we all love um, pearl harbor we all think argo did deserve to win best picture <laughs> oh. not just that year but every year <laughs> we we all are uh will stand up for Gigli. oh no uh even if it didn't deserve best picture it deserved best screenplay okay okay keep it going keep it going uh, justice league best superhero movie ever made good will hunting uh is uh, actually the worst Ben Affleck movie. <laughs> that that is a take. I'm just kidding. I love Good Wanting. <laughs> I think it's fun. Um, <laughs> it's not my favorite. Hunter loves Affleck. to say this. Yeah. Goodwill Hunter. <laughs> That's why yeah. I got bullied all growing up through school. <laughs> yeah, growing up in, in the Boston. Of Boston. <laughs> growing up in Southie. What are you fucking Matt Damon over here? <laughs> <laughs> not your fault. <laughs> How about them podcasts? All right, let's get to catch up, boys. We don't have too much to talk about, but before I dive into my stuff, I do want to say Better Call Saul is back, baby. For the final time. I need to... Penultimate. Yeah. I need to uh, catch up on this show. I've been saying that for a long time, but now the hype is really building because this season is apparently incredible, and now I... It's it's been it's incredible. Been I know but the like, whole time. The hype it's it reminds me of Breaking Bad though, where like Breaking Bad didn't really get people talking about it until season three, season four, and then it became the biggest show. And it seems like Better Call Saul is kind of doing that, where it's yeah. been consistently great for so long, and people are now yeah. like the mass mainstream audience is starting to really appreciate it's it. it's back on AMC for season five. It is actually confirmed for a sixth and final season. So I do like the fact that they announced that before the fifth season so that we know that we have still probably 20 ep- episodes left. So the, the runway till the end is defined, but still pretty lengthy. And um, I'm not going to get into details because I want people to watch the show. It is fantastic. It's uh, just perfectly calibrated at, at every level. And this new season, season five, 
we get full on salt, finally. Finally, and we, we did kind of have it a little tiny bit, very subdued, but now it's like in the foreground, full-blown Saul Goodman that we know and love from Breaking Bad. We've arrived. We're there. It's glorious. Pitch perfect, perfect performances across the board. Um, I can't wait to see what happens. Do you think that it will end similar to Breaking Bad, where like the last episode or two will be a flash-forward to post-Breaking Bad world? I mean, we have been getting... I know there's been those flash-forward snippets, snippets, but yeah. do, we, do you think that we will have like a full episode or two devoted to that? Yeah, I think I think that's probably where it'll be. Yeah, because it's got to... All those little snippets have to pay off somehow. Mm-hmm. It can't just be like nothingness. Yeah. So it is... They have a roadmap, I'm sure of it. Um, okay, so this week I watched My Favorite Shapes... The Julio yeah. Torres special. Directed on HBO. by Dave McCary. That's right. Of Good Neighbor fame. Of Good Neighbor, yeah. Of Engaged to Emma Stone fame. <laughs> oh my god. Of Living How? My Best Life fame. How does that happen? Yeah, this fuck. Good for Dave. I saw that on Instagram, I think on Emma Stone's Instagram. Or was it his Instagram? You know, I... I, I think it's his. Yeah, I, I think, think she's his. on Instagram. Um, I, I hate that guy. <laughs> Man, fuck this man! It's that you know you're not allowed to have all of the all of it. Insanity! It's not allowed, and you're directing like the you know the premier minds of comedy as well. Like so fuck you. This special, I I watched it because you recommended it, Drew. Um, and I gotta say, it's definitely not for everybody. It no. is fucking weird. It is some of the most bizarre shit I've ever seen. But goddamn, it was good. It's so creative, special. so unique, and it makes me want to watch his show, Los Spookies, uh, because I just want to see more of this guy. Like, just such a you'll love interesting, Los interesting personality. Like, such a, a unique humor, uh, and just his quality, his delivery, um, so intelligent. Tiny little snippets here and there that just kind of make you think, like. He'll have a joke where it's just like, and that's religion. And it's just like, it makes you kind of step back and recontextualize the stupidity that he just put forth in these little dioramas and, and yeah. little uh, toys that he put for, <laughs> forth in front of you. And he just hits you with something like that. And you're, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. There's a bigger picture to this whole thing. Oh, it's yeah. not just randomness. Well, I thought that, I mean, in the first, like, five minutes of watching it, I was like, all right, how is this gimmick going to stay fresh for an hour? Right. And it never becomes stale once, because, like you said, like, it is just using this whole, the setup of (laughs) having a conveyor belt full of, like, different shapes and dioramas coming by as a setup for, like, a three-minute joke, and then it just moves on to the next thing, and he picks yeah. it up and says something about Well, that. he's, I, you know, he's in with Fred, obviously, they're on Los Spookies together, and it reminds me, it's so drastically different from any comedy ever, so to compare it to anything is not fair, right? but uh, it has that feel of um, stand-up for drummers, where he is completely unafraid to alienate the audience, even though that's like rule number one of stand-up is to not do that. But he, from the jump, he came to play. Like, look at what he's wearing. He's wearing like a like a silver bathrobe, and he has glitter all over his face. Yeah, there's no 
when you see that, you're you know what you're in for. Like there's no mystery. Yeah, about it's, it. and not to mention the cutaways. Right. Which there are many of. Yeah. Oh, man. And the people that he gets to come in there for the game. We got Emma Stone. Emma Stone yeah. and yeah. Ryan Gosling. Yeah. <laughs> La La Land reunion. Oh, man. I didn't even make that connection until just now. Yeah, yeah. My guy got his, uh, here you go. Hey, babe. Hey, babe. You want to uh, you wanna just uh, hop on this little uh you can just, like, record some audio from, like, your phone and send it in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, hold on, Yorgos is tickling my feet again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a shoe. <laughs> but I'm too big. Yeah, he's very into uh, personifying very bizarre inanimate objects. And they're all having existential crises. Uh, the, yeah, the, so there are a few of those, all, you know, very in line with his work on SNL. His, yeah. Everything, every pre-tape thing he's, he's written on SNL has also been directed by Dave. Uh, and they all are the same thing as that. There's one that's like an ornate sink. Oh, <laughs> that, that I remember you yeah. bringing that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's just great. Like, there there are enough stand-ups in the world that are doing stand-up comedy. This is yeah. not stand-up comedy. This is a comedy special, but you can't really put your finger on what it is. Yeah, it just, like I said, it's not for everybody because I think a lot of people might throw this on and be like, what the fuck? This is fucking nonsense. I have no idea what the hell's going on. But... If you enjoy unique, creative approaches to comedy, goddamn, this was fun to watch. And uh, yeah, it's on HBO. It's My Favorite Shapes uh, by Julio Torres. And next, I got a chance to watch uh, Casino Royale, which is also on HBO. Uh, I, you know, like I said earlier, we're in this like dead period of, of movies right now, and also TV. Like, I, I, I still need to try. The Outsider, like, I'm not really watching much stuff. Um, and I was like, Casino Royale is on HBO. There's a new Bond movie coming out. Let's do this rewatch. Let's fucking do it, man. Let's get hyped for No Time to Die. Because otherwise, like, I'm not really going to be excited to watch the new Bond movie. So I was like, all right, let's throw it on. Fuck yes, this movie rules. It is so good. Oh, my God. It's so, it's like. It falls into a lot of the, the James Bond-isms, you know, but it does so in a way that feels, like, really satisfying. You know, the ridiculous action. There's a moment in the opening uh, action scene where he just bursts through a wall. Like, the guy he's chasing is, like, really ad- agile, and he, like, uh, very... He, he, like, sneaks through a window, like, a small window, and then Bond just, like, barrels through a wall. So... It's telling you right away, this is a James Bond movie, but also this is a James Bond that you haven't seen before because Bond doesn't usually just fucking run through a fucking wall. He's very suave and smooth and clean. And Daniel Craig is presented as this, like, barreling wrecking ball of a, of a spy. Um, you know, it's, it's not like a perfect movie. You know, these, some of these Bondisms that it falls into are... kind of laden with misogyny and things like that. So a lot of dated things that are just in every single James Bond movie, unfortunately. Uh, But I loved, I love revisiting it. I'm trying to get hyped for no time to die. And we'll see if I, if I make time for uh, Quantum of Solace, Mm. Skyfall Mm. and Spectre. Spectre I've never seen. Have you, do you like Casino Royale more than Skyfall? I think no. Okay. From what I remember, because I remember Skyfall just being so, like, 
heightened with its artistry. Um, just, yeah, I, I can't, I don't have a fresh memory in my mind, but from what, based on me re, just revisiting uh, Casino Royale and from what I remember of Skyfall, I, I think Skyfall is, is definitely yeah. a notch above. Casino Royale is the only Daniel Craig Bond movie that I've seen. I still okay. have never seen Skyfall. Um, I did want to do a rewatch of every Bond movie because I've only seen a couple of them um, out of the every? 24. Oh yeah, my god. I was going to do a rewatch of every Bond movie but I don't know if that's going to happen seeing as I'm also trying to watch every movie that's ever won Best Picture this year. Please pray for me um, and my sanity. Will No I'm, Time to I Die. I just watched 1929's The Broadway Melody and let me tell you it's bad. It yeah. makes Crash look like a masterpiece. Sounds like shit. Um <laughs> So, Sounds like you're doing more thing. things that you could just not do. <laughs> I, I could, but this is how much I care about film. I know. And how did, much I care about the history he, of film on this podcast. He okay? loves this shit. Did we talk, I want to be the historian of this podcast. Did we talk about Neil... Um, fought, well, the, the Chappelle show guy, Neil... Neil, Neil I, Brennan. Neil Brennan. Did we talk about him on last week's pod, or was that off-pod? What happened? About well, first of all, I brought it up when you mentioned your crusade because he watched every movie that's ever been even nominated for oh, Oscar yeah, yeah. Oh, for Best Picture. Which, uh, I know. Uh, also, wow. Sean Fantasy of the Ringer did a similar thing where he did that, but it's hard because so for a little bit of history, I'm, this is a total sidebar from James Bond. But the whole five movie Oscar thing didn't just come in two thousand nine. I think from nineteen. 40 to for the next like 20 ish years or so, they did 10 movies nominated, and then they which means you're watching like 10 movies made in 1944, most of which are bad or at least like mediocre. Yeah. So, um, they didn't even know how to hold a camera back then. Yeah, no, they, like, what is this? A lot of really old movies just suck shit. Like, <laughs> I can make a better movie than what Metropolis, yeah, I'm joking, Charlie Chaplin, uh, the fuck, yeah. Um, fucking, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, man, I think, like, when you're really tired, the first thing that goes is, like, your prefrontal cortex, <laughs> like, your whole, and you're, like, your whole associative memory is just yeah. gone. What is a movie, Drew? I don't know. The other reason to bring up Neil Brennan, though, is because he, uh, he, <laughs> he was yet another rich person. And he was being a real dick about it. He's very funny. Like, he's a hilarious comedian. He was tweeting out, uh... Is anyone going to talk about how the central metaphor of parasite doesn't even make any sense? I mean, the poor people are parasites, not the rich people. <laughs> oh, no. like, oh, man, this is definitely yeah. coming from a rich person. It's like, wow. you've, I, um, you've had $50 million since you were 27, yeah? yeah? Okay, cool. Don't talk about it then. So, going back on to, <laughs> to James Bond, I will at least watch all of the Daniel Craig. Bond That's what movies. I'm trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do. Because, like, there is a loose narrative thread through all of these. Um... It's not like it's one big story, but there are certain things that carry over. Um, so I kind of want to, you know, see if that holds any weight. Also, Billie Eilish's song. Good song. Yeah, good Billie song. Eilish, it is. Good, a couple, always. Canonically good. A couple um, final points about Casino Royale. Um, I just think it's a fantastic rewatchable. Re you know, you can just throw it on. You can tune in for the action sequences. Or if you want to tune out for the action sequences, you can tune in for the amazing uh, uh, 
Texas, not Texas Hold'em. I think it is like Texas Hold'em, like poker. Yeah, the poker scenes. Poker, poker yeah. scenes in that are really great. Just really, I haven't seen it tense. since before I gambled. So at the time, I was like, "This is the height of gambling." Yeah, in the movie. Uh, Matt Mickelson and Jeffrey Wright in there as supporting players. Ava Green is really great in this, and it's great to see Bond like actually be vulnerable and fall in love. Because it's he's usually just like a womanizer, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Bond is defined by the women that he just kind of disposes of um, romantically. And to see him like actually be vulnerable and fall in love with somebody is a really nice touch for these movies. Um, also, uh, R.I.P. Chris Cornell mm-hmm. um, singing the theme song to this one. Really, really great theme song. You Know My Name, it's called. Um, R.I.P., man. And finally, um, I just want to shout out a couple more action beats as to, like, how insane some of the action in this movie is. I already shouted out him running through the wall. But in the closing kind of big set-piece fight, he kills a guy with a fucking cable that he rips off a wall and electrocutes the guy with the fucking cable. (laughs) And then he kills the big bad by, or not the big bad, but a big bad by firing a nail gun into his eyeball. That's what you want from these movies. That type of just ridiculous shit. Yeah. So had a lot of fun with it. It's on HBO right now. It's Casino Royale. Last thing. I want to gush about high meals. Well, where the fuck have you been? No, no, I'm kidding. We gush about this show yeah. all the time. We've been gushing everywhere, but it's back for season four. Oh my god, I I just I I can't help but devote as much time as possible on this podcast to telling people to watch this show. It is like it's such a consistently great show. I haven't even watched any of this season, but like. It's kind of incredible, and I feel like it will never get the love that it deserves. No, it, it definitely won't. People just like here, there's like, oh, it's about a drug dealer. Ooh, it's they, it's they, been one of the best shows on TV since it started. Yeah, easily. Like it, I'm. It didn't quite make my list. It made my preliminary list, and then I realized that I missed Transparent on the decade list. But like, I'm glad I got to recognize it on on the decade episode because it, it's it, some of the best TV of the decade, and some of the most it. unique TV of the decade. So this new season, um, there's two episodes out right now with a third one. Um, or I guess there is, is there? Yeah, I guess there is already a third one. Um, I'm already behind. But it just, oh my God, it's so peaceful. Uh, uh, beer? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's so, I, no, peaceful's not the right word, but like it just sits well with you. You know, it's like comforting. I just don't think that anybody, like, it's so hard to do what this show does where it makes you immediately care about these brand yeah. new characters that you've never seen before within the first 30 seconds. You're yeah. like, okay, I know who these people are, and I'm here for their story. And I don't want to spoil what happens in these two episodes because I, I was going to shout out, like, specific beats and characters from these uh, first two episodes of the new season. But I'm gonna leave it a surprise for you guys, and I'm we'll gonna have to let do a you... spoiler-filled uh, <laughs> high maintenance it's, appreciation episode. It's not even that it's a spoiler. It's just that there's I, I'll be I'll be vague. There is a dance number 
in one of the episodes that just made my jaw drop with how perfect it was. There's another moment where, oh, here's another thing that's great about this show. There are characters, there, there are ways of living, archetypes that are never depicted in television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I think last season there was, like, a lesbian uh, prostitute storyline. Um, this season there is, there is an um, asexual relationship uh, yeah, storyline. There's a, there's a thruple a couple seasons back. Yeah. So uh, there is a lot of... Uh, this show is not, you know, safe for kids or anything like that. A lot of it revolves around sex. I mean, there's the nudist colony episode. Yeah. Where, like, somebody just <laughs> brings an STD to a nudist orgy. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great it's, show, everybody. It's so, good. it's so, so, so good. And it, it's very rewatchable. I've watched all of uh, the first three seasons twice, at least. Nice. Like, it's just... It's never bad. You're you're so immersed in so many different worlds, and uh, it, it plays into why it's in New York. It plays into yeah. what living in New York is like. You literally just if you were to go up one floor from your apartment, there's an, a different universe happening up yeah. there. It's it's just fascinating. One last thing: there is a cameo in episode two that I did not see coming, and made me very very happy. It is a comedian that we know and love. And I'll I'll keep it a surprise, but Pete um, Holmes. <laughs> oh no! I did want to actually that that might happen. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. I wanted to give a shout out to a different podcast. Um, no free ads, but uh, um, I think that this was a year ago or so that uh, Ben Sinclair and uh, Katya Blitchfield, who are the creators and writers for High Maintenance, did an interview uh, on I believe they did on the Watch. Yes, and they talked about like how they because. The whole thing, like, they crank out a season every year. They're not taking, like, two, three years in between seasons. Yeah. And, like, the whole thing is that, like, it, he just goes, like, on the subway systems in uh, New York and will just, like, put on headphones but won't play music and then just, like, people watch and, like, listen to people's conversations. Oh, my God. And that's what inspires everything. It's kind of genius that this is all, like, based on just real people. Yeah. <laughs> and, again, we just got to stress the unsung genius their ability to get you invested in a story that you have practically spent no time in. Yeah, it's and just immediately you're you're in. It's like uh, it's basically a creative exercise. Like it's like if you have an assignment to write like a piece of flash fiction that like gets you in and out in like two hundred yeah. words or whatever. The performances too. I think that the actors that yeah. they get in each episode are what make it work. Yeah, well I, I yeah, I talked about how Katya was the casting director for 30 Rock. Um, for like the the smaller parts. So she is like unbelievably plugged into like the New York theater scene. Like that's just all that she does. Yeah. And she gets the people that you should know, but they're not in LA, basically. Yeah. And, and you know, they're they they're like a race that just doesn't get roles. <laughs> I am curious, like, what the cameos are gonna look like this season because there's the one I just mentioned, and there's another one too that seemed very odd. But now that I'm looking him up, do you guys want me to tell you or or not? Um, it's this guy who I didn't think was an actor. But now I'm, like, looking him up, and he has, like, dabbled a little bit. That's that's Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that he's this young up-and-comer. 
Yeah. His name is uh, his name is Skimbleshanks, <laughs> the railway cat. Yeah. Yes, New York theater. The cat on the railway train. <laughs> um, okay, well that's what I've been watching, Drew. Let's get to your. Um, What's going on here? What's in the notes right huh? now? <laughs> I see that you're adding things to the document. Listen, I'm, having document. A, I'm, ha- I'm, I'm on one hour sleep plus like an, uh, a nap that like ended right in the middle of the REM cycle. Oh, man. That's my <laughs> day. So a couple rewatches. Uh, yesterday, I rewatched Nightcrawler for like the fourth or fifth time probably. Really, honestly, could have made my top 10 of the decade. It was in my top 50. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't fault the movie in any way. It's endlessly entertaining. Jake Gyllenhaal is just on another plane. Is this Apex Mountain? For, 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 for me, Gyllenhaal? a thousand percent it is. I know that you love Enemy. Well, this is... So, let's see. This is 2014. Enemy's yeah. 2013. So, that Apex Mountain is <laughs> kind of right around... However, however the term Apex Mountain... Yeah. I still don't know how that Now, now we're talking Twin but, Peaks, huh? But, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh. Um, so, can we use this time? Because I think we all agree that Nightcrawler is a masterpiece. It what? Is an incredible movie. Okay. What happened? What happened? Nightcrawler? What happened with Velvet Buzzsaw? This was... Not just Velvet Buzzsaw. Jay... Edgar Israel Hoover. J. Roman, Roman. Israel Esquire? Yeah. <laughs> From J. Israel he, Esquire. It, I have... Okay, so I guess that was in between this and Velvet Buzz. So. Yeah. yeah. So That was a movie that by all accounts was fine. I never, never heard any I like, buzz it. about it whatsoever. Denzel got nominated for an Oscar that he didn't even want to be there for. He was like, I didn't deserve this. while he was there at the awards. It's, it's one of the great tragedies of our time. Because... Nightcrawler, it's not like, it's not like uh, one of those lightning in a bottle movies where it's like, wow, you know, well, the performance is really driving that thing. The performance is driving it, but it is insanely well directed. Mm-hmm. Like it is beautiful. The tone of that movie, it's incredible. You know, I saw the uh, inspiration from like Collateral almost. It's it's all just mm-hmm. L.A. at night. Yeah. Uh, very digitally shot. Like it's, also like L.A. at night. There's no traffic. Yeah. Where that you go? Also. Uh, Joker, watch out because my man Jake lost some fucking weight. Mm-hmm. He's skinny as shit, and he's and fucking creepy. How yeah. did he not? Terrifying. I feel like this is this movie was probably the closest that he would have gotten to an Oscar. It's this is a you know scary horror, horror type. Movie. I mean, I know, but like they it is, don't. it's a thriller more than it's horror, which. The Oscars do kind of sometimes give love to thriller movies. Yeah. He is so so good in this movie. Yeah. I do have a question. Is Jake Gyllenhaal the kiss of death for directors making their first big movie? We have two examples now. Oh, man, with Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko. With my guy, uh, It's just uh, because Richard. I can't believe Donnie Darko guy didn't have any other good ideas. Well, he... <laughs> I, hey, Donnie Darko <laughs> is such an incredibly, like, creative... and Like, I, I love that movie so, so he, much. I think that movie is incredible. R- Richard Kelly, who wrote and directed that... Went on to do just absolutely he has, nothing after. He actually he had to has, go back and make S. Darko. He actually has one movie that he put out in 07 called Southland Tales that is apparently, like, one of the most bizarre movies ever made. It he stars, didn't write that. Did he write it? Yeah. Oh, okay, no, he directed. Oh, 2016. It stars The Rock, Dwayne, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Sean William Scott, Justin Timberlake yes. and more. Go off. We need to watch this movie. I mean, guys. he made uh, The Box a couple years. Uh, I think it was 2008. 
2008-ish or so. That must have been the last uh, time which he is like Or 2009, excuse me. Um, which is like one of the most insane movies of all time. Classic, um, your classic pitch movie. Yeah, it really yeah. is like a pitch movie. It's just movie. a box. It's a guy, guy takes one philosophy class. Literally, it's just on a page. <laughs> like the pitch of the movie is just a philosophy conundrum. Yeah. You'll win a million dollars, but someone in the world will yeah. die. Uh, anyway, uh, he also, Dan Gilroy wrote Kong Skull Island, interestingly, uh, wrote Born Legacy, wrote Real Steel. Uh, so it's not like he was well, like, those, those he was bad a thousand like, before. Those are just paychecks. Yeah. I was going to say, those seem like paychecks. Like that, that seems like he came in there, did like maybe like some script doctoring or he was just given like a general outline. It was like, sure, I'll just write dialogue for this. Yeah. But the thing is, he's only written one great movie. Like, so it's. It's, oh my god, he's also credited with... He has writing credit on The Fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote The Fall. The, uh, the Lee Pace flick. Mm-hmm. Huh. Oh. Is he the reason that our, our baby boy is not an A-lister? Yeah. <laughs> is there, it is like... I don't... Because, I mean, that was... Nightcrawler is his first directing credit. I mean, he did do some writing before, and like you said, the Bourne movies, and then... Uh, some stuff like Chasers or Free Jack in the '90s, which I've never heard of before or seen. It just it just is a bummer because this script is so layered yet yet very straightforward. It's a uh, brilliant, like insanely scathing critique on capitalism. Yeah. It and the media. The the darkness of it is it's even darker than I remembered, and the actions of Jakey G are are worse than I remembered. Yeah, uh, he is. Uh, directly responsible for murders, like multiple. Uh, it's just that he doesn't have the gun in his hand at any point. Also, a great Riz Ahmed. That's another thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, this is a critique for the movie and a critique for every movie that we review hereafter. Is none of Riz? Where's, where's Riz? Renee Russo's too. She's. I mean, their their little sexual relationship they have, like yeah. getting off on this gory. Footage. And she was so bad in Velvet Buzzsaw. Like everybody was bad. Yeah, she was awful. I don't think that Riz Ahmed would have gotten the night of without Nightcrawler. Like he, uh, I think that this. I mean, he was in some movies beforehand, but nothing no, really big of note, and nothing where he, he was probably wouldn't have gotten Star Wars or either. Rogue One, yeah. which. Yeah, I mean, but since then, like, he hasn't... He was in Venom. Well, you're right about Yeah, him. he was he is a voice. Venom. He is a voice in the English uh, dub of Weathering With You. You're right about the, the night of, because in uh, both of those things, he just... He's a guy who cannot vocalize what he's trying to say. He cannot... Yeah. He and he's getting the, fucked and, by not being able yeah, to. Yeah, and that's a tough character to play uh, because a lot of actors, it goes against their strongest instinct, was, which is to express themselves fully. Yeah. He is so uh, understated and, like, dumb in this movie. Yeah. He's, like, a dumb guy, like a stoner, basically. Yeah. He's getting paid, like, 30 bucks a night <laughs> for, like, months to, <laughs> to do awful things. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, well, now I want more money. But, hey... <laughs> Riz Ahmed does have uh, Macbeth, or not Macbeth, uh, Hamlet coming up. Oh, he's, uh, he he's, is playing Hamlet. Um, okay. The only, this is in major pre-production, the only uh, thing is that he's tied to a writer, Michael Leslie, whose other writing credits include 2015's Macbeth okay. and Assassin's Creed. Mm, love it. Uh, and Little Drummer Girl. Also, we should say Bill Paxton. Rest in peace. R.I.P. Oh, God. Killed by Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, <laughs> oh God. 
In real life. Uh, <laughs> no, he he is really good in this movie, and it's like a really uh, not thankful. It's like a thankless role almost. He's yeah. just like this like schlubby guy who's like, yeah. "Welcome to the future, man. <laughs> we got here first. <laughs> and then he just fucking gets clapped. Um, he's yeah, no, it's an incredible ensemble movie. Really, there's no weak link in the cast. Um, but the the primary trio is all just A plus performances, and, and the directing is A plus directing, and the writing is A plus writing. Uh, it could very easily have been in my top ten of the decade. It's so, it's fun, but also just absolutely fucking disgusting to watch. Like, absolute, so unsettling. Um, also, we should say, probably one of the reasons why the movie works uh, is Jane Newton's Howard score. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that yeah. score is just incredible. One, one of, the, I mean, one of the most memorable scores of, like, the decade. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, uh inspiring like it's a positive major key score but then also the what you forget about the you know the guitar that the fucking the punch that's packed when instead of that like you hear the first note of it but then it sounds like a mix of like a saw and and like rattling and you know when uh, there's like a huge drum that's just like yeah yeah it's really 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 freaky it reminds me of the end of hereditary music a little bit like it's just it's like why is this positive this you you have to stop being positive right now music this is not a good moment i think that might be one of the the reasons why the movie is is good because it, it it does i think the movie without that score would kind of just be like this middle of the road thriller i mean obviously you have these incredible performances but the juxtaposition of those performances with the score creates this ambiance, this vibe. Yeah, it's very it, uncanny. Yeah. Like, it, it is disorienting and it's, you while you're and watching the movie. Well, when it drives home the point of the movie, which is that, like, to succeed in a capitalist society, to be the hero of a capitalist story, you, it's almost better to not feel it. Another yeah. another thing along with Enemy that I wish that Jake Gyllenhaal would play like bad guys more. Yeah. Or like at least people who are very conflicted internally. Because yeah. I think that that is the best bit of acting that he does. He does that in Donnie Darko as well, going way back to his younger days. But like... I would. I think he's so much more compelling in this kind of a role than he is in something where he's playing your traditional leading man. Because I think that he is one of the most underrated, and he is an A-list, an A-lister. But I still think that he's very underrated for his acting abilities because he doesn't do enough movies like this. Um, last thing, the cinematographer Robert Elswit. Uh, here are some of the other films that this guy has shot. There will be blood. Mm-hmm. Punch Trunk Love, Magnolia, Boogie Nights, PTA, big PTA. Big PTA collaborator. Boogie Nights, Inherent Vice. Um, ever heard of Mission Impossible Rogue Nation? Oh, oh. that's the one that you... Ever <laughs> heard of Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol? This guy was dangling <laughs> off of that building yeah. along with Tom. The Town? Oh, man. These, I mean... These are all movies Michael that have Clayton. a look. That's what I'm fucking saying. Yeah. This he also shot Velvet Bus that movie, that movie doesn't look bad. Like the look is not. The, the I think it's. Ugly. I think it's ugly. The scary, it's kind of the ugly, scary stuff at the, the end is very ugly. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 that. I, I'm never gonna understand that movie. Man. This movie Ooh. is incredible all around. It's not just a performance movie. All of it is great. It's like 
a modern, much darker American Psycho. Yeah, like exactly. a millennial version of American Psycho. All it's American Psycho meets Drive. Yeah, all that Gyllenhaal speaks in is uh, like business school jargon. Like that's all. Those are the only words that he says, in, except for the few moments where he takes the mask off. And like with Riz Ahmed, he's like, "What if I told you that the problem isn't that I don't understand people; it's that I don't like people? What if I was inclined to hurt you?" <laughs> like it. It, it's fucking unreal, man. It's a it's a near perfect movie. It's one of my favorite movies of the decade. Um, Rory Scovel tries stand up for the first time on Netflix. Parentheses two thousand and question mark and uh, parentheses. Don't know what year it came out. It was a couple years ago. Huh. It's another thing I rewatched this week. Probably like the fourth or fifth time I've watched this uh, comedy special. Rory Scovel is uh, one of the best like pure stand ups working in the world right now. Uh, his problem is he's kind of a tweener. There's no, he doesn't have like a clear identity when you look at him because uh, stand-up wise, the person he's most similar to, uh, like his his brand of stand-up is Zach Galifianakis. And this special is Rory Scovel's Live at the Purple Onion, which is the special that like shot Galifianakis into the fucking sun uh, because it's an unbelievable special. This is the same deal where it's it's a very small crowd and most of the special is like almost like it feels improvised it's not totally but there's just a shitload of him playing off the crowd like so so much of him uh creating attention in the room by doing something really stupid and then breaking it it is uh, an incredible special by rory he has a show coming out uh this year actually that the pilot was written by sean clemens of hollywood handbook very excited for that oh uh, oh baby um, but yeah, I, I can't recommend this special enough if you're a fan of like actual, like club stand-up. Like if you, you know, if you've ever been to a comedy club and had a good time. So why, why does, uh, Jack White show up in the little Netflix preview? Well, cause it's just like the, um, the Live at the Purple Onion special. There are a lot of skits. Right. Okay. Yeah. In those ones with Galifianakis, it's him getting interviewed by the guy, the lawyer from Always Sunny. Um... And in this one, it's, yeah, Jack White pops up. The skits are, like most uh, comedy specials, the skits are, like, the weaker part of it. Um, because him on stage is just kind of electric. Like, it's so, it's just, like, absurdist, like, really, really stupid comedy. Um, and he's he's so unbelievably good at it. He's so good at cutting any amount of tension in the room. Like, identifying one thing. Like, he, he will, like, raise... His jacket will be like an inch too high on his torso, and he'll like you like do like three minutes based off of that somehow. It's like how what? How are you doing this? Uh, it's I don't know. A lot of club standup does not transfer to uh, watching on a screen, or really you leave the the club and you're like that wasn't like objectively funny. Like the, when I went to the cellar last year, or the year before last year. Uh, a lot of the comedians I saw in that moment, I was absolutely over the moon. I thought they were incredible. If you were to, you know, write down their jokes and think about them, they are not funny. They're not that funny. Um, and Rory is a, just a lot more interesting than your average club guy. Like he is, because he's not a club guy. He's an alt guy that plays off the room, which is not very common for alt guys. You know, a lot of uh, alt comedy right now is very prepared material. A lot of Netflix specials obviously are fucking prepared material because it's on Netflix. Yeah. You wouldn't want to... They're not like, surprise, Netflix is here. Yeah, you wouldn't want to... You don't... You wouldn't think that it would be good to just kind of like 
fuck around for your hour yeah. that like everyone's gonna see but he basically does that and it's really really great material like I'm a massive fan of him he has an HBO special coming out this year very soon he has that show coming out this year which I want to say is on Comedy Central I'm not I'm not 100% sure about that but it's about like a basketball coach or something uh I don't know I don't know what the deal is gonna be with that show. I'm not hundred percent sure it'll be that good because TV is you know, like network TV is just fucked. Yeah. Um I'm hopeful, but Yeah, but I, I'm such a such a huge fan of this guy. He just he just doesn't quite have like you see Zach and you're like, Oh, I get it, like you know, like fat, funny bearded guy. Like, you know, he can be the side character in the movie. Where he's like tall, he's big, but he's not he's like skinny, like he has weird hair. <laughs> what is the name of the show? Roy Scovel tries stand up for the first time. No, no, no. The, oh, the, the upcoming one. Oh, I don't even know. Because I don't, I don't see it anywhere. No, it, listen, I didn't make this up. Is it mixed ish? Definitely not mixed ish. That's a blackish spin off. Oh. <laughs> Why is he in that? Why is he in that? He just pops up and stuff. He gets mixed-ish. roles, but it's just like he has the electricity of, of young Galifianakis. He just doesn't look like that. You know what I mean? And. Galifianakis has like that voice that is just inherently funny, um, but I I love Roy. I love him when he does anything oh, live. Oh, Robbie, something called Robbie. Yes, it's called Robbie. His his bit saturation is just like through the fucking roof. Uh, it, it's it's pretty unreal to watch. You might not like it. I don't care. I don't care if you don't like it. You're I don't wrong. think I don't think it has a home. I don't think this. this no, show... it definitely has a home. It might be. F- it's either like Fox or Comedy Central. Let's just uh, let's just type. Let's. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and say it's gonna be on TLC. Um, it's Comedy Central. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This is this is gonna premiere around when I think Aquafina show or is that already out? I think that might already be out. Robbie is not out yet. Um, but Comedy Central makes it very difficult to watch their programming. Well, Comedy Central is uh, failing. Yeah. They, they are losing the game. They were winning like five years ago. And South, they, Park, they, they, South Park. They have blown their lead like the fucking Falcons in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it they is. They absolutely blew it. Well, because they're like one of the last uh, like cable service sites that is making things, to, making it difficult to watch things via um, streaming, yeah. which is how everyone watches things now. Like, yeah. they should just go ahead and hook up with a partnership with Hulu or something like that. They are in the same parent company as CBS. Mm -hmm. They are at Viacom, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, So CBS All Access already exists, so they should probably just start showing other Viacom things inside of CBS All Access. Something like that. Call it something else. But the problem is CBS All Access isn't doing great right now. I mean, they're getting a peak because of Picard now coming out. But that's it. That is it. Yeah. They just that, they, they literally they rely on one to two big things a year for people to buy a subscription and hopefully forget to uh, cancel it, or for them to buy it for one month to catch up on everything yeah. for this one show. And yeah. maybe catch an episode or two of hey, Sheldon I, and then dip out. I just renewed my subscription because I was trying to watch the debate last night and they caught me into it. Might tune into Survivor. Hey, anyone I, anyone hey, down? The season of Survivor, I'm here for it. We yeah. can do a whole talk about Survivor because I it's so it's all Survivor. the winners. Oh yeah. Oh I know. This is a big season of Survivor. Um speaking of reality shows, I did watch all of Netflix's The Circle. I don't know if I'm okay. ready to talk about it. I don't no, know if I'm no, like mentally more time. I don't know if I'm there yet. I'm still recovering. 
Uh, but also, I, don't, I don't know what this is. You need to explain it. It's it's a reality show, uh, much like you know your Big Brothers, your Survivors. So I think I think what I know about this is like all the contestants are isolated. They're all isolated. They cannot sp- uh, see or, or speak to one another. All they can do is is like social network, and they're allowed to be somebody else. They're allowed to be a fake person. That's and, fucked. Up. And, and so yeah, and it's all about just like gaming, like social media, basically. Wow. And it was honestly pretty good. Like okay. it was, it was. I started um, the other one that Netflix put out, Love Is Blind. That is a horrendous show. Like, do not even watch a second of that show. It is unbelievably bad. The Circle is fun because it takes it takes uh, stuff from like the British vein of like dumb reality shows where it, it like is like, yeah, this is stupid. Like it's you know it's it's like willing to make fun of itself. You need that in your show. Love Is Blind is like marriage. You can get married after knowing someone for three days, and that's okay. Like it, it it's so so bad. Um, that's all I'm gonna say. I don't even want to talk about it that much. <laughs> all right, Hunter, bring us home. All right, so no, we don't just talk about the big Netflixes and the Viacoms of the world. Sometimes we need to just sit back. We need to take in the local art scene. Okay. This, so, I'm always saying this. This is a new segment uh, called Coming Soon to a Theater Near You if you live in the greater Orlando area. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, a, not a theater with a screen, a theater with a stage. I'm talking like William Shakespeare Theater here. Um, so I went and I had a chance to go see uh, a musical production of the movie 9 to 5 um, at the Athens Theater in Deland. Have you guys ever seen the movie 9 to 5? Yes, it's a very good movie. It is a great... It's 40 yeah. years old, and it has aged it's awesome. so perfectly. Dolly Parton me, is the greatest of all time. Well, I mean, the cast is insane. It's Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, and Dolly Parton are the three leads. This is kind of the first ever, like, feminist movement in the workplace movie. Um, the whole setup is it's these three women that work in a... Um, work in this uh, workplace with this toxic boss who's like this sexist, egotistical, lying, hypocritical bigot um, is a direct line from the movie. Like, he's this dude who's just this ultimate, like, tries to schmooze over all the women and tries to get all of, get the secretary, Dolly Parton, to sleep with him all the time to the point where he's telling other co-workers that they're having an affair together. He's just this horrible dude. Um, And these three women come together and they're like, we're really going to do him in. Um, I won't spoil everything that happens in the movie, uh, but it involves so many different fun antics, including thinking that they poisoned him and trying to, uh, like, kidnap him pretty much and keep him hostage. It's really funny. Like I said, it is aged incredibly. It is on uh, Hulu right now, I believe. The movie? Um, yes. It might just be showing up for me watch now because I have Hulu with live TV. Good for you guys. Um... But Hulu now, Hulu now is live sports. Um, but uh, they did a musical production of it at the Athens Theater in the Land, um, which I'm not familiar with. The, I wasn't familiar with the music in the musical or anything like that. But well, all there's music the song, is the one yeah, song, is, yeah. which is like mm. one of the biggest Dolly Parton hits, which is a bop. Let me tell you, um, I chance to see it because my uncle was actually playing the sexist, egotistical, lying, hypocritical, bigot boss uh, in this movie. Work it, work it. Um, he, uh, it was an amazing, it was a really, really good show. I mean, I feel like a lot of uh, theater productions, local theater productions, can be a little bit hit and miss, but 
I mean, from everything I've heard about everything that Athens Theater puts out, it seems like they do a great job. Um, it is up in Deland, so a little bit north of the Orlando area. But if you are here... Make a drive. I highly, highly recommend it. Um, it was a great show. Really entertaining. Um, here, I'm trying to vamp for a second. Downtown, so downtown Deland has made an effort to be a, quite a nice place to hang out. They they have... Oh, uh, yeah. No, I think that Deland is awesome. Little breweries, little uh, there's like an arcade bar, I think. Um, it's it's, a, it's, it's a really time. cool little like like you go there and you're like I do not feel like I'm in Orlando anymore. Yeah. I mean Stetson is of course is there, um, but I wanted to give a shout out to the three uh, leading women: Lori Sullivan, Bernadette. Uh, uh, I'm very sorry, uh, Sadak, uh, Grace oh. Bonton, uh, who play Violet, Dorley, and Judy. Um, the Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, Dolly Parton roles. Um, they were all incredible. The music was really good. Uh, shout out to my uncle, uh, Andrew Johnson. He's good. He he was really good. Yeah, you saw him a we few s- years ago in uh, Into the Woods. Yeah, which I will say, that was like I'm, seven years ago. I am not a fan of Into the Woods, but he is he is a great actor. Um, yeah. So definitely Into the Woods, the grandmother's house. Into the woods. Into the math rock of musicals. Yeah, the, those <laughs> fucking songs, man. It's like, I'm, I'm trying to help you and sing along, but I, I can't. It is, um, I don't have a week to learn this. So definitely check it out. The Athens here is really beautiful, too. It's made in, like, 1920s. So it's really, like, old brick exterior. But yeah. inside, it's nice and renovated. I think it fits, like, a few hundred people in there. But I've seen the outside. I've never been inside. I definitely recommend for next What's time that they have some the show. It's gorgeous. It's lit up at night. Hey, there we yeah, go. I, yeah, man, I, I, lights, I, I went during. I went to a matinee, um, which there is the, the matinee problem, which I remember from doing theater myself, that uh, matinees uh, usually include uh, primarily uh, people getting brought in from the senior citizen home. Um, but, uh, this is a cool matinee. It's a matinee McConaughey. If you, if you are in the Orlando area, check it out. It's playing out, uh, it's playing, uh, it's February 21st to March 15th, uh, so still playing this and weekend, the next couple weekends, Thursday through Sunday showings each day at like 7 mm-hmm. to 30, all of them, except for the matinees, which are at 2 We will link to the... Uh, ticket page in the show notes. Yeah, really support local theater. I had a theater professor who directed some plays at uh, the Mad Cow Theater downtown, and they were fucking lovely. Like, it's really fun to go see a play. Yeah, it's great. I feel like even if you aren't, like, you don't consider yourself a theater person, it's different, like, being in person than, like, watching YouTube videos of, like, Cats the Musical on Broadway. It's drastically different. It's, it's like, it's a lot of people are, like, they don't like stand-up. If I took you to the right club, you would like it. Like, yeah. if, if you go to the right theater, you will love theater. Yeah, and usually these folks that, that take the time to do these things, they're doing it because they genuinely feel creatively empowered yeah, by doing it. It's not like you're not getting paid necessarily for these shows. It's all because of yeah, the love of art. Exactly. And give back to local art. Like that's how <laughs> like give back to your local I mean, we are all we all go to the local art house theater, like movie theater pretty regularly here in Orlando, the three of us, but all theater of any kind, give back to the local scene. Um so that is that. Um, I th- another thing, I think we should review. We should review every like satellite city of Orlando on the pod. Because mm-hmm. I have thoughts. Kissimmee, on, on step it up. <laughs> College Park. 
Oviedo? You got potential. Oviedo, but I've seen the new gaming bar, and I'm going to say good job by you. Oh, yeah, that's um, where we went that with Brett. That is sick. That is a dope Support bar. your local bar. <laughs> yeah, get sucked into VR. The, yeah, we, we, <laughs> we went in the damn Matrix, folks. It was awesome. Anyway, <laughs> so anyway, uh, not ta- is- tangible theater is the most important. <laughs> go, go, go! If you're in the local area, go see it. If not, uh, definitely check out the musical Nine to Five. Like I said, it's forty years old. It came out in 1980, and it still is just like it's a awesome. joy to watch. It's really, really fun. Um, that's a that's a Beth Deetson favorite. Oh, right is there. it? I, yeah. I bet. Yeah. Um, next up, wanted to give a shout out. I went to a concert last night. Um, and uh, I saw a little band that I've seen before, once before called The Wonder Years, which, by the way, um, I might use this as a retcon for my Albums of the Year list. Oh, boy. To say that I didn't give a shout-out to it, but I think The Wonder Years have at least two albums that would have been honorable mentions for me that I forgot to mention. Specifically, on, the, on the decade, you mean? Albums of the decade, Okay, yeah. okay. Um, specifically, The Greatest Generation, it came out in 2013. Such a great album. It is a masterpiece oh. of a pop-punk album. Like, it really is a perfect perfect album so good um i think no closer to heaven is great uh the album that came out a few years ago 2018 uh, sister cities is really it's more punchy like more dancey but i never got into that one um there's a couple of great songs on there um but before i get into that show because uh, they did something unique for that show I wanted to give a shout to the openers because you know most of the times you go just to see main band and you're like ah you know it's a fun time while you're like listening to the openers but there's nothing really like incredible um the openers for the show were really some there was three openers which usually is something that i'm like oh what venue was this this was at house of blues okay um it was a four and a half hour show like it started at 7 at 11 30 that's a big ask like to give for that long because wonder years played for almost two two hours um but the first opener was pool kids uh they are a florida band Definitely, they are kind of, I would describe them as, like, emo math rock. Um, like, kind of, they're more on the mathy side with their tunes, a little bit proggy, than, uh, like, pure hard rock. Um, they are really, really cool. Love their song names. $5 subtweet. <laughs> that is, that's very funny. No, their album, their 2018 album is called Music to Practice Safe Sex 2. Nice. Great album title. Overly Verbose Email Series Part 3. <laughs> There is that's no funny. part one or part two. Yeah, that's really um, funny. No, uh, they were really cool. Um, Free Throw is the most, the biggest band that played there. Um, they are, I mean, they're smaller, but uh, they're pretty, pretty on the punky side. But really, I got to give a shout out to a band called Spanish Love Kit Love Songs. Spanish Love Songs. Spanish Love Kids. <laughs> Sp- the Spanish they love their kids. Um, Spanish Love Songs. Um, they're a band, they're pretty small. Um, their highest played song on Spotify has only about 150,000 plays. Um, so this is a pretty small band. They're from LA. I like saw them and I immediately became a fan. I've been listening to their album that came out this year like four times today. Like not exaggerating. Like I really, really love these guys. Um, they're less pop punk and more emo indie rock. Hey, I'm listening, honey. Yeah. No, I, I'm bringing this up specifically on the podcast because I know you guys would be interested, but also some of our uh, fans might be interested as well. But 
they I especially their newer album um, has more of that indie rock side. Their first album, Schmaltz, which I've given a couple of listens to, um, is also really good. There's a song Buffalo Buffalo on there, which they close their set with, which has an incredible like classic pop punk riff to it, which is really fun. But uh, Brave Faces Everyone, um, their album that came out this year, might just be on my albums of the year list at the end of this year. Um, it is really, really great. I highly, highly recommend it. Um, it has, I looked on their website and they self-described it as um, Bruce Springsteen meets Manchester Orchestra meets The Messengers. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So, and it does kind of have that uh, that kind of vibe to it. Specifically, wanted to give a shout out to the song Loser and Loser Part 2. Loser Part, Losers Part 2 is one of my favorite songs of the year so far. It They sing about all this kind of stuff where, I mean, a lot of emo music specifically is looking very, like, inward and kind of, like, sad boy sounds, which, don't get me wrong, I love indie, I love emo music, but this has a little bit more of an outward approach to it where they are singing about a lot about, like, climate change and poverty and uh, displacement of people and... Uh, opioid addictions, which is no stranger to emo music, but they do it in a very unique way. Um, the song Losers Part 2 is kind of a... It has these like lines about just like... Uh, like, you are... Like, why are you even trying? Like, it, that's kind of the message throughout that whole song about just like, you were born to be nothing. I, huh, I'm trying to... <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to this song like five times today, and I'm still... Uh, I, I, we, this has been a long podcast. I'm already uh, blanking mm. on some of the lyrics, but um, um, vamp for me, vamp for me. I'm pulling up. So, pulling Hunter, up. did you ever listen to Origami Angel like I told you to? No, I haven't had a chance to listen to Origami Angel. How oh. dare you not know the words to a band that you saw last night, <laughs> damn yeah. it. Oh, no, but the, the chorus for Losers Part 2 is, well, don't you know you were born to die, poor man? Don't you know that you're going to do yourself in? Like, it's kind of the, it's this whole, like, outside world screaming at you um definitely recommend that entire album but if you're gonna listen to a couple songs by them i'd say listen to losers or losers part two and also uh buffalo buffalo off of their first album to give you kind of a general sense of them um as far as the wonder years go they did something pretty unique uh they just released a acoustic album this year called burst into cave volume two uh they released burst into cave volume one a few years ago which is another really excellent acoustic album. Um, so they played two sets. They played an acoustic nice. set with about eight songs or so uh, with the full band behind them, but just with the people on the instruments, aside from the bass and the drums, of course, uh, playing acoustic. And they talked about, like, why <laughs> they were doing an acoustic album. Because <laughs> it's like, that's They did, he like, Soupy, um, Dan Campbell, the lead singer, who everybody just calls him Soupy, um, he kind of talks about, like, when you're doing things like this, you do a bunch of press junkets, and the first question is kind of just, like, why? And uh, one of the things, a couple of the main things that he talked about was, like, you know, Wonder Years have been making music for over 10 years at this point. And so it gives them a chance to go back and recreate songs uh, that kind of they wrote whenever they were younger and less mature and try and reinvigorate them in a new way. Um, and, and also, it brings it. it brings back songs 
that kind of fell out of their uh, lineup whenever they're playing. So the live album, back in. the acoustic album, has older tracks on oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's okay. like it's mostly is like stuff okay. off of their first couple albums, uh, the Upsides and Suburbia. I've given you fantastic albums. God damn, those two albums are incredible. I think the Wonder Years are one of the most underappreciated pop punk bands that we have, which I know they are more appreciated by an older generation than us. Yeah, and it's just yeah, it's a matter of like a really concentrated crowd too. But why why do you think they're underappreciated? I just think well, I mean, because whenever we talk about the great pop punk bands of like the twenty tens, nobody ever brings up the Wonder Years. Because I mean they got started in twenty ten was when their first album dropped which was kind of late onto the scene. But I do think that the Wonder Years have a lot more indie rock elements to them, which is what keeps them fresh. Yeah. Um, they well, did they, have, their release, they have, um, they actually have a debut from 07, which was way smaller than the upside. It's called Get Stoked On It. It's a little bit tougher to find. But yeah, it's not even on Spotify. That, Get Stoked On It is incredible. It's so energetic and full of that, full of that like emo punk angst, um, and it's it was three years before the upsides, and I think even before then. I feel well. Another thing I meant to say earlier was uh, if you like, especially like early, um, early Wonder Years stuff, then I feel like I would definitely even more so recommend uh, Spanish Love Songs because they have a little bit of that angst to them. Um, I, one of the major highlights, because of course they played the acoustic set, took like a five, ten minute little break in between to kind of reset up instruments and stuff. And they came back out and they played a, a couple of my favorite songs by them. But one of my favorite moments was that before they played Pyramids of Salt, they Dan Campbell just went on this whole rant about how a lot of songs, especially in their later albums, and even in the Greatest Generation, are about his grandfather and his like older parents not being able to go see a doctor, worrying about how they're going to pay for oh, bills man. and everything, and just going on this whole rant about how like we need to live in a society where there's healthcare for all, and you shouldn't have to worry about if you are how Yo. you will be able to pay for a doctor. Burn and I was fast. just sitting there, just <laughs> raising my fist in the sky right before we start jamming out the pyramids of salt. Um, Incredible show. If the Wonder Years or any of the bands that I mentioned are coming near you, definitely recommend them. But the Wonder Years know how to put on a hell of a show, and I am buying stock in Spanish love songs now. Okay. I know that it is uh, a area that's not doing great. I tried to find reviews of their album that came out this year, and it's just they're like below the the best new. Nobody's pop listening to them. Nobody's listening to them. So I want to give them a plug here. That check these guys out. Uh, one last thing about that debut, Get Stoked On It. According to Wikipedia, um, they did a reissue, remix, uh, re-release in 2012. Uh, and Dan Campbell said that the original mix was a train wreck. Um, but he said that the re-release um, was inevitable. And if you like the record, enjoy the new mixes. If you hate the record, I'm on your side. And if you scroll a little bit further down in Wikipedia, there's a snippet from the original review of punknews.org. Gave it one star and said, it's hard to get stoked about anything on Get Stoked On It. Damn. The only thing I'm stoked on after listening to this album is jumping through a wood chipper. 
Man, oof. So that's fucking punk rock. Yeah, that is punk rock. Yeah, it also so, <laughs> man, that, that, that easily could have been a five-star review. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. Like, that does... That's a good point. Like, I listen to Papa and I'm like, God, I want to fucking die right now. Like, if it's good, you want to die. You know? I'm, I'm trying to find where to listen to this album, and it's like, there's a link to a YouTube playlist. Subi like, has taken it off of the internet. Like, it's just gone oh, now. You want to find, like, a cassette from it. You want to know a funny pop punk thing that happened to me last week? I was at a local uh, pool bar that has a jukebox, and it's not uncommon for pop punk to come on, but someone put on Jamie All Over acoustic version by Mayday Parade. Huh. And the vibe... Local to our old local scene of Tallahassee. Uh, yeah. Read the room. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Nothing got, like, a nice billiard hall to play an acoustic Mayday Parade song. It just, it cracked me up, dude. There, there are rules to jukebox. You don't... People break them all the time at that place, though. People put on fucking dubstep people, there. Well, people break rules. It's, like, I feel like it is an unspoken rule not to sing Bohemian Rhapsody or any other eight-minute song at karaoke, but yet people do it every yes. single time. You know so, what you do? You put on War Pigs by Black Sabbath at a pool hall. That's all you do. in their masses. Yeah, you put on that. You put on Radar Love. You put so, on Roses by Outkast. That's a, Maybe some oh, Layla. That's a good one. I... Listen, I've given a good amount of money to touch tunes in the past couple <laughs> Oh my god, you just reminded me of something. Holy shit. Okay, so way back at the beginning of this podcast when I was talking about Better Call Saul, I just remembered that I was, there's two episodes of Saul out right now, but I haven't seen the second one. And at the end of the first one on the AMC app, they tag on the pilot of this new AMC show. Low Winter Sun. Winter Sun. Please. Higher Winter Sun. It's literally. High Summer Sun. It's, it's literally, it's not even a different uh, video file. It's like the episode keeps playing. That's And fucked. you get to watch the pilot episode of uh, Dispatches from Elsewhere, which is the new show from oh, Jason. I've seen commercials for that. Jason Siegel. Yeah. wrote, directed, and stars in this show. Oh, boy. Along with Andre Benjamin. Andre 3000. Is Did you watch it? Well, I watched the first, like, ten minutes, and it was really good. So, I love Jason Siegel. I didn't watch the whole thing, I think but Jason Siegel is more talented than he is given the, opportunities to be. The previews looked bad. Like, the <laughs> way they oh, no, make the Andre look, I was like, what the fuck is going on? But I watched the beginning of it, and it's like Richard E. Grant staring into the camera, like, introducing you to this bizarre story. And I was like, whoa, this is kind of good. And then I just kept watching it. I started to, like, doze off a little bit, so I had to turn it off. And I didn't get through the whole episode, because I just watched the whole Saul episode. But... I'm gonna I'm gonna try to watch it because I was like, oh my god, they they just it, a, I didn't even think that came out until March. It's out. Oh. I don't know. Oh. It was there. Hey, download that AMC app. Yeah. Hey, you had me at AMC app. You know. <laughs> um, <laughs> last thing, uh, if you go on YouTube and you search "The Wonder Years," get stoked on it. It you, you can find it. Okay. It's there. Good. Yeah. 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 It's not lost forever. Yeah. This uh, this shit sounds. <laughs> Yeah. I'm sure that fidelity of you resting at home sounds incredible. This is some 2007 ass, yep. good ass shit. Wonder Years, great band. 
And I still stand by my pop-punk band lineup that you can go back in the catalog and uh, yell at Omis for not giving me the win. Did I? Did Maybe I not? Drew. Somebody didn't I give won. me the win for that. No. Yeah. Yeah, you <laughs> chose not to give me the win despite having Soupy as my as my Yeah, and, and Claudio. Super oh Claudio. yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, it is too in the history Claudio, of Super Claudio, bands. classic backseat guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a two-hander. Okay, we gotta go. We gotta. <laughs> that's you when you, you listen still have to another Cody. podcaster. Thank, yeah, I know. Thanks for listening. Um, hit us up on Twitter at we bought a mic and we bought a mic at gmail.com. Uh, we love you. Talk Thanks to us listening. on Anchor. Yes. Oh, yes. Send us voicemails on anchor.fm slash we bought a mic. Tell us how much we're at. Bye-bye.